You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride Podcast. And on Twitter, Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 373rd episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in Orlando, Florida, living a high-stakes life. Hey, this is Matt in Minneapolis, also living living on the edge, the fine edge here. And this is Spencer in Western Massachusetts, where I am not living very well, guys. I just realized today that I didn't make the cut on the Zwift Academy, and I'm not oh. going to get a spot on Alpetian Phoenix this yeah, year. That sucks. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I didn't. It. I'm not going to make it on Canyon Tram either. Um, no. And you didn't make Lifetime um, series last I did week. Not. It's uh, I, tough. I, tough couple I, weeks. I'm man. starting to get a little nervous. This is. I thought things were looking up for you, Spencer. We've had some pretty big announcements, pretty big things going on for you, and then yeah. just straight I, to the heart. I really thought 2021 was going to be my year, and uh, turns out it's going to be 2022, you guys. Yeah. So yeah. I am uh, sure. looking forward to riding for Alpecian next year. As the great Happy Gilmore once said, tryouts are 364 days away. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, guys, so much to be here, but little guy, I have to admit, um, it's a high stakes life for you because we have a whole new recording setup. Yes. Um, and... When I asked you earlier about this high quality image that I get to look at, you're like, oh, I'm actually on my phone because your internet's out yep. and you do have a solution for the internet. What is it, please? <laughs> well, I do. My neighbors were nice enough to give me their Wi-Fi password. So if, <laughs> if things get rough, I, I could technically be on my neighbor's Wi-Fi right now, though. Uh, people will know it's, it's, it's eight o'clock Minnesota time. Uh, it's prime, it's prime Netflixin and I don't really want to steal their bandwidth, mm -hmm. you know, if they're trying to watch a movie. Mm -hmm. So I'll try to stay <laughs> off it, jump on it at midnight when they're sleeping. Now I know that there are several people that have gone all the way to the back of 380 plus episodes. Remember? Cause we have several unnumbered episodes. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. A little guy on the neighbor's Wi-Fi, maybe one of the first bits yep. on the podcast and it was never really true <laughs> yep. so here we have here now we confirmation the world is round no matter what we say on this podcast we are speakers of the truth mm -hmm. and here we are and it is so good to see you little guy so nice. very excited about this podcast so much to discuss um including where i said we were going to go last week where the three of us discuss our individual mm -hmm. top five moments in the world of bike for 2021 our annual year review show got some great listener emails, some additional cameo gifts, and so much more to get to. So gentlemen, should we get right to it? Let's, let's dig in. Well, all right. Well, let's talk about cyclocross. So <laughs> little guy, you did the, you did the, the, the heavy work some of, of watching the Saturday cyclocross race. We all saw Pidcock win at Numeroar because no, Pidcock, that, he looks resplendent. No, no, no. No, no. Yeah, Pitcock no. won Saturday. Other, other way, sorry. Michael Van Tornout yes. won anymore. Van Tornout won the World Cup. 
Pidcock won after somehow accelerating over the barriers at the it was end. a different World Cup. Yeah, different World Cup. <laughs> to Spencer's point a few weeks ago, pretty Well, crazy I don't watch Cyclocross anyway. Two, I just listen to Cyclocross radio. Two World Cups in a weekend. Spencer, you're, you're very right. The World Cups are getting a little out of hand. It was a little weird. It's bananas. It doesn't, it, I'm confused. Which so one am I out, even watching? Yeah. It's so out of whack. It's so out of sync. We've flown too close to the sun, you guys. Well, We've opened the Pandora's box, and you know what came out? We're cursed. Great because racing. there was a pinwheel in yes. a World Cup. In a World Cup. But I here I would say the pinwheel didn't have any effect on the race and, and Saturday's race ended up being crazy. It had an great, effect on racing. my mental state, yes. little guy. Yes. Uh, well So it was two World Cups on the same weekend. Yes, and two days of great racing. Tim Ketchup. So, what, what can you I know, do? I'm just um, yeah. The point is the same. It's just too much. Well, there's a pinwheel. Matter? Why does it matter? <laughs> Spencer's mad about the pinwheel. You're <laughs> mad about the two World Cups. I'm trying to argue that uh, it, do- it doesn't matter what they were because they were both great races. So like they I, were. Like when I turn them on, I don't care what's the World Cup and what's the Super Prestige and what's the O2 uh, rubber ducky races. That uh-huh. the only re- bearing that has on my day is which which streaming service I have to open. You know what I mean? Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't yeah. care. I just want to watch a good race. And if it's if the course is fun, even with a pinwheel, it was a super mm. fast fun race, which is impossible. <laughs> I know it was killing a lot of people. Uh you know, it's great. It was fun to watch. Pidcock made a huge comeback in that race to take out little Ellie, which was nice. I don't know why I have it in for Ellie so much, but I do. Well, little Ellie kind of took himself out at he one point at one in point. that race. But he he rode a great race, but man, Pidcock, you're right, Tim, with the acceleration. The acceleration on the Saturday when he won coming out of the barriers looked pretty insane, right? It was great. Also, as we have discussed on here many times, and now others on the internet are starting to pick up, that jersey remains awfully, awfully white that Pidcock is wearing. It's got to be some advantage there for shedding all that mud weight, mm-hmm. um, and he's he's looking resplendent. And little guy, as you said, he followed the Ineos corporate slogan to a T when in his post-race interview, he said what? He said something like, I thought, ah, fuck it. (laughs) Which is pretty much the Ineos slogan. Thank you. Actually, if you could put that in on the roadcaster, that'd be Yeah, I don't know how to do Um, that, but I'll add that in. All right. Uh, On the pinwheel itself... I am looking forward to the oral history on the pinwheel because we do know that the first pinwheel was used in Minnesota in 2005. I'm assuming that like a good Minnesotan, they didn't come up with the idea first and that they copied mm-hmm. it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So I do think we should have a collective like I'm think assuming... on when the first pinwheel happened. I'm sure Spencer's going to say something in New England back in like no, the no, 1970s. No, no, no. Maybe this I'm, is what New I'm England guessing... doesn't want to claim. Yeah. No, I'm guessing Minnesota definitely got it uh, like they get most of their good ideas from cross-country skiing. Um, So if anybody has video of the first cross-country skiing pinwheel, I would love to see it. But uh, uh, to me, okay, a pinwheel is a cheap, gimmicky uh, hack of a race uh, course feature, Mm -hmm. in quotes. Like barriers. That has no business being in a, a, a Tuesday night local practice race, <laughs> let alone on the world stage. 
This this is a sport that just last week put on a race at Val de Soleil on the snow to try and convince the IOC that they should be in the Olympics. And then the next week they come out with a pinwheel. Like we're out <laughs> of ideas, guys. Gotta gotta shoot themselves in the foot. Here's what I, I the, wanna say. Who's who's the race like course designer for Fayetteville now? Do we have any uh, idea who they are? No. We gotta find no out idea. and we gotta challenge them. Put a pinwheel in the world championships. The gauntlet has you, been thrown. The gauntlet's been thrown. You ha- it's been in the World Cup. You have the power. You could put a pinwheel. In. And if I think the first pinwheel in the world championships needs to be on American soil. As Americans, we it's need only to claim. Right. Yeah, we need to claim the pinwheel as as a like an American feature that you're like, well, they'll, so they'll know like, oh, World Cup in America, so, there's gonna be a pinwheel. You know. Bigger question: uh-huh. Will the UCI? Because they like to ban things. Will they uh-huh. actually come to their senses and ban pinwheels, or are they going to find a way to actively encourage pinwheels on a cyclocross course? Like, uh, rather than a dismount section, you must have a pinwheel section or something like that. Like, in either this or that. Uh, yeah. Very. They got to come up with something because the barriers are no longer barriers in the sport. Um, well, they are though. They they mattered on Saturday, right? Two people hopped them. One hopped them faster. Lars Vanderhart can't hop them still, so they're still <laughs> they're still they're still they're still relevant. Yeah. Like a lot of people were riding them. I'm surprised the UCI though doesn't uh, like didn't have like a, had the women's race go around the pinwheel or something. Like they were worried that. The <laughs> oh do God. The uh, you know, it's well, sad, impossible. It's it true. seems like a thing. They yeah. Do. yeah. Yeah. Well, well done there, little guy. Um, all right. So Pitcock takes a win over Eli Ezerbeet and Michael Van Turnout and Marianne Voss, Lucinda Brand and Denise Betsema on Saturday in the Netherlands. And then at Namur, we had Michael Van Turnout over Pitcock and two nerds. As you can see, very easy to confuse all of this. And then Lucinda Brand, <laughs> Denise Betsema and Puck Petiers take the podium on the women's side at Namur. Look guys, Namur, your favorite cyclocross world cup round. It is, it is probably one of my favorites. Yes. I think I picked it when we picked our five races once. I still haven't even had a chance to go watch it because of my lack of, uh, quality streaming ability currently, but I, I will get to it. <laughs> Uh, you gotta gotta wait for the off hours for the neighbor's Wi-Fi to really. Pick did I up. just did I just spoil the results for you? No, no, it's still be fun oh, to watch. Okay. I just feel bad, you know, like having your neighbor's Wi-Fi password. It's great, you know. You're like you need something, mm-hmm. you got to do something, but you also feel bad streaming like a HD bike race for an hour when you can see like they're trying to watch something like right next door. You know, you feel like mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to cause buffering. You know, feel bad. <laughs> Yeah, but you know they're probably watching like Secession or something. Like, yeah, you know they don't need to watch it. It's just a flash in the pan kind of thing. <laughs> this is more important. This is one yeah. of forty-seven World Cups that will happen this year. <laughs> yeah, this is important. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yep. So, anything else we want to talk about besides? I, I feel like talking about um, a pinwheel does a little disservice to the world of cyclocross, but. You know, we're not the, the number one uh, news source on this. So any, any other big takeaways on the week? Uh, somebody Boy. broke their boa, and I don't know why those things aren't banned oh, yeah. already. I'm so sick Quentin, of it. Quentin Herman's uh, broke yeah. his shoe. Every two weeks, some cross racer like has to go get their shoe replaced mid-race or drop out of the top 10 because the shoe's just laces and Velcro, man, people. It works. So it's, 
So we should just go back to the Velcro? All right. Or, yeah, I don't know. I just, the boa thing has always seemed crazy to me because you just don't see other people having to replace their Velcro mid race. So. <laughs> but it, it's cheaper to make a Velcro shoe, little, little guy. Don't you know? Oh, um, well, if it's more expensive, they should do it. Yeah. Well, in the world of Cyclocross, if you want additional news, why don't you go to our friends over at Cyclocross Radio? where they not only did a great um, recap in the media pit of all things Cyclocross, they also had an amazing one-on-one interview with Jeremy Powers, probably my favorite Cyclocross racer of the last uh, 15 years in the U.S., You know, uh, speaking of uh, Cyclocross Radio, real quick, you know they're doing a uh, like a ad segment in the middle now sometimes, uh, yeah. kind of like we do over here. Yeah. And they, they kind of borrowed our idea. They've, they've admitted to it, but... Um, yeah. They call it the bike exchange. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Not to be confused with team bike exchange, but yeah. Well, I was going to say, red tape on the wall. Michael Matthews, team bike exchange, bike exchange. Wait, huh? Wide angle putty, uh, it all comes together. Very, very true. I, I like where, you, where you're Think about at, that. Yeah, that. just think about it. Just, you know, something to chew on. That's all. So within the, <laughs> um, the world of... <laughs> little guy. A few weeks ago, we did make requests about our annual gift giving and what we like to get from our listeners. And one of the yes. friends of the podcast, and one shameless. of our the favorite- shameless, the thing that me and little guy would never do, <laughs> but Tim is a hundred percent willing to do. Oh yeah, is ask people to spend money on us. Give us and I love I, content. And yeah, I uh, I can't believe the uh the quality that came through so the, the quality again and let's give major shout out to friend of the pod matt milner who continues to yes, crush it it's amazing and as a quick reminder the current slow ride podcast championship belts mm. reside with mm-hmm. sonny cobrelli from episode 362 so he's on a 10 episode run wow. that seems episode 372 excessive that seems excessive for sonny and lizzie diagon i kind of forgot sonny also <laughs> lizzie diagon also won in episode 362 um, that's, that's so, more reasonable little guy, a mm-hmm. former slow ride podcast championship belt holder checks in on the podcast. Courteous of Matt Miller. Hey Tim, little guy and Spencer. This is me once again, Simon Geschke, the unofficial best rider in the world. And, um, yeah, I'm saying hi from the training camp in Spain and, uh, it shouldn't be a surprise that I'm not happy to hear that I lost my championship belt this year. Um, you did lose it to Matthew Van So, yeah, I hope the weather is bad wherever you are. And let me know um, when, when there will be a rematch because um, there can be only one world champion of uh, whatever it is you guys are doing. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I demand a rematch and um, because I still think um, I deserve my belt back for plenty of reasons. Um, actually, too long for this short video. And um, yeah, so um, let me know when the next championship fight will be. I'll be ready, ready to rumble. I'm uh, actually only in this training camp to prepare for the next championship. <laughs> Anyway, um, so long and uh, have a great day. And uh, I look forward to hear from you. Oh, okay. Oh, so good. Very Wait, good. So, so great. Context. Context to the fact that 
he, he wishes us bad weather is he's lying <laughs> on a lounge chair. <laughs> looks like somewhere in southern Spain. And at one point, he kind of pans the phone up just so you can see how blue the sky is. Oh, oh it's a how blue, nice yeah. it looks. He's got one one hand holding the phone and one hand tucked behind his head. He's having a very chill rest day. Uh-huh. He's training. Camp. He's living the life. Yeah, and he's living his the beard, life we dream about. His beard is resplendent in this. Um, so absolutely thrilled that uh, Shyman Geska um, cares so much about the championship belt. Mm-hmm. Um, as I, I was saying earlier, he he held it for six weeks before losing it to Matthew Vanderpool. Um, but don't feel bad, Simon. Matthew Vanderpool immediately lost the championship belt to AG2R on this very same episode. <laughs> so, um, what's, yeah, what's more, what's more insulting, Simon? The fact that you yeah. you lost it to Matthew Vanderpool, one of the best writers in the world, or Vanderpool lost it to AG2R collectively? Come on. So that being said. Um, Simon, I, I don't know when the rematch is going to be, but we will have our eyes on you for this season. Um, sure. And we're going to continue to, uh, to, to you know, keep an eye on it so that maybe we can award the belt. Everyone should uh, just reach out to Simon on Instagram and Twitter and let him know that uh, you heard him coming from the, uh, you heard him coming for the championship belt. That's an important thing to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. I mean, it didn't, seem to have a solid grasp on the rules of how it works, but what we'll do is we'll keep an eye on his performances and make sure we can, you know, slot him in if it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also don't have a firm grasp on how the championship belt works, mm-hmm. but um, no. what I do know is the three of us need to agree on whoever holds the belt. Mm-hmm. And again, Sonny Cabrelli, it's, the, the grasp is getting loose. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it might need to uh, uh, move on. So anyway, uh, that's uh, episode one of the Cameo Chronicles. Little guy, who else do we have? Uh, I'll, you know, I'll let them introduce themselves. Let me, let, me, uh, let me cue up the second one here. Hello, Tim, little guy, and Spencer. This is Bobby Julik coming to you from Chile, South Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina. Got my hat on, got my nice old vintage CSC sweater that uh, Christian Vanneveld gave me for my birthday recently, keeping me warm in my office. But hey, I just wanted to congratulate you guys coming up on a big milestone, your 400th episode of the Slow Ride podcast. Um, I also hear that you're giving a lot of shout outs to Mr. George Hincapi, who just happens to be a neighbor of mine. So perhaps tomorrow, because he doesn't ride on Mondays, still professional, you know, I don't know what he's thinking, um, that maybe I can get him motivated to come on to your podcast or at least uh, give you guys some a shout out for your 400th episode. But your buddy Matt contacted me and I just wanted to say again, congratulations. Keep doing what you're doing. Podcast world is pretty interesting. And I just uh, hope one day that I'll hit my 400th episode. Um, Easier said than done. But anyway, congratulations. And let's get George to um, get on your podcast. Take care. Nice. It's a lot Bobby, to any, here. <laughs> anything you can do to get uh, Big George Hincapi on the podcast would be amazing. We would absolutely be thrilled by that. Um, Let's talk about what the do you think is the, talk about? You start with the sweater, little guy. Go ahead. So he's wearing a CSC sweater. My initial thought was, wow, he's had that since back in the day. He got that at one of those military training camps. Uh-huh. But then he divulges. Mm-hmm. 
that Vandeveld got it for him. Did they not give Bobby the sweater? Like, was Bjarni holding out on him back in the day, or like, what was was the deal? How come he didn't have a sweater? Sweaters aren't for domestiques, I guess. This man won Perry Nice on CSC, didn't he? Bjarni Reese broke this man's wrist. <laughs> Ran it over at the car. It's true, didn't he? he that's, if that's that. not worth the sweater, I don't know what else. Uh, anyway, I, it was a funny note since he was on the team. Like, if he had been wearing a, I don't know, a, a Phonak one or something, I don't know. You know what I mean? It was it was, it was, was just kind of funny. Yeah. I didn't know what yeah. to make of it, but I liked it. You know, it was, it's, I like that he's still repping so, the old teams. I, I like that, too. I do like that he had to get it as a gift. I'm I'm with you on it's that funny. too, right? Like I like it. like that the Vanderveld really had to go down deep to find like this thing he was gonna throw away. He's like, you know who's gonna like this? Bobby Julik. Mm-hmm. Um also sweet reference to military training, team training camps. I think that's something that has fallen by the wayside in the politically correct world that we now live in. <laughs> Should just yeah, sure. really make a comeback. More paramilitary yeah. training for yeah, professional road cycling teams. Really really get that masculinity out there. Mm-hmm. Um they need that. Quick question, with Bobby Julik not on the podcast, because we just have this video. By the way, stoked. As you guys all know, one of my prized possessions in my world of bike industry, and Mm -hmm. if anyone follows Spencer and I on uh, Twitter, um, little guy as well, knows that every now and then Spencer and I like to uh, chop it up with one another, bust each other. And Spencer did a great job of reminding me that at one time I was a young, promising sales associate at a little known recumbent <laughs> shop, uh-huh. recumbent bicycle shop in Northwestern Chicago. Um, one of my prized possessions before I was fired from that job <laughs> because I decided to no call, no show because they wouldn't give me the day off when I was like, what, 23 to go up to Minnesota to see my family over the holidays. Um, come back and he just goes, give me your keys. And I said, fine. But before I left, I had in my cubby a poster tube. And on that, inside that poster tube was one poster. And that poster was an advertisement of Bobby Julik racing for Kofidis in the 1998 Tour de France where he got third place. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I believe the ad is for Juro. I believe it's for a Juro helmet, if I recall okay. correctly. That is a prized possession of mine. Cool. Last thing I took from a job I was fired from. That's how important that is. <laughs> did you so, take it off the wall knowing, or something? Where did you take it from? No, it was like up in the rafters, and I was like, oh, I'm going to keep this. And then I just yeah. never took it home. Oh. And then I was like, I'm never coming back for this sh- to this shop. Are you kidding? Yeah, and, uh, and I had to grab one thing before I was rushed out the door, before uh-huh. HR came and threw me out. Um, so that, knowing that background, I have a question for you. Uh-huh. What do you think is Bobby Julik's most crowning achievement? Do you think it is a third place of the Tour de France in 1998, a mm-hmm. controversial-laden ap- edition of the Tour de yes. France in 1998, yes. or do you think it was the silver medal at the 2004 Athens Olympic Games? To who? To who? Tyler. It was Tyler, Tyler. but now it's Ekimov. Oh, because he lost it to Eki. Yeah, like, yeah. Ek- like Ekimov wasn't dope to the gills, too. Come on. I was going to say, that is a that is a... Well, Tyler Hamilton, you may remember, actually 
won the first time. Yes. <laughs> he won he won on the road and then he lost. He won on the road. He got the the crown of thorns. Um that they gave to all of the winners of the Athens races, right? And then Bobby Julek was in third place, but then Bobby Julek gets elevated to second. So the question is what is the the bigger result in Bobby Julek's career? Um between those two, we don't get to choose any other results in this year. Yeah, there's there's nothing well, else. Um, well, I mean, there's a Paris Nice win, sure. Yeah, but, he I won mean, Paris Nice. I, you know, I mean, Bobby seems like a nice guy. He's got he's he's got a he's, he he raced during a very dirty time, so it's hard to know <laughs> what to yeah. what to nail down as a. I'd say on the tour, but yeah. That's, don't worry, that, he stopped listening when we were talking about yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. he's not <laughs> chiming in at this yeah, point. Bobby, I mean, Bobby has left the room. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I would say that tour win or that tour third place. I think the sure. to, the tour podium yeah. has to be right yeah. from I those mean, two choices. Yeah, it's it's yeah. the tour, but I think it's anything. His uh, you know headlining a star appearance um, in overcoming the documentary yeah. about CSC has to be the crowning achievement. Oh, That's solid shout! There. That is such a good movie. It's I, such a good movie. All times, all time cycling movie. One of. Best yep. documentaries. Real quick, top of your head. Let's just name them top five. Cycling documentaries going in. Overcoming is in there. Sunday in sure. Hell. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Pro. The, we've, t- we've talked many times about the Philly uh, Pro Race documentary. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Pro is really good. Maybe not. And really okay. worth watching. I actually like The Hard Road better um, by the same director. Okay. Hard Road. Yeah. V- very true. Yeah, I forgot about The Hard Road. Is that the one that follows... Um, the Prime Alliance team? Uh, it's the Net Zero team. Net Do you remember Zero. that? I think yeah. Little Guy had that uh, internet service for a while. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Um, what, what's this cross one? Transition or something like that? Transition. Well, yeah, that's very good. Any of the behind the bars or nine nine ball diaries? Eh, it just didn't. No, I, I never learned what no. I never learned what nine ball diary what the nine ball on the I, kit meant. So I I enjoy stars and water, water carriers or whatever a lot too. Okay. It's not as good as as. What about else. collective thought on the Movistar documentary and Netflix? Oh, is that, that even is, in conversation? No, like, I, I, if we're bringing be, in series, oh, yeah, yeah, well, jeez, that should be in there. It's so good. Like we're talking feature yeah. films. All right. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else that's even like worth it. I mean, what's the what's the messenger one? Red light go. That's a pretty solid one about alley cat racing. It's, no. No. Yeah, okay. Is that what it's no. called? Right. I have it on DVD Anyways. if anyone wants a copy. Just I think hit I me. might have that on DVD. <laughs> I digress. I thought Easter well, story Well, thank you so much, uh, uh, Bobby Julik, uh, for uh, checking in. I would say, what was that last part, little guy? I'm sorry. I, there's a little documentary out of Minneapolis years ago. Don't worry about it. Okay. Um, regarding Bobby Julik, Bobby, we would appreciate anything you could do to help get George Hincapie on the pod. We've been working hard on it um, for close to 400 episodes at this point. So anything uh, we, we could do to get... <laughs> we worked hard on it for like 250 episodes. And now yeah, we've, we, we've been working we've on Michael Matthews ever since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so there we go. Um, so little guy, before we hit in with uh, Michael Matthews for this week's Prem Lap, we will mm-hmm. be coming back um, later for another uh, favorite segment of mine. Uh, everyone has a price, but let's get into the Prem Lap and check in with Michael Matthews to see how things are going over in Europe. Hi, I'm Jim Champion and Master Meisen, and I don't listen to your podcast. 
right, guys, here we are in the Prem Lap, and we'd like to thank, once again, all the listeners and supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network. Head over to wideanglepodium.com to find out about our bevy of shows of independent cycling media. Major shout-out to Amanda Nauman for an amazing episode of the Grodio podcast, which, with Adam Roberge. Mm -hmm. I know a little bit about Adam Roberge, mostly that he won Big Sugar, and kind of been on my radar because of the Grodio talking about Adam. The yep. Canadian, the Canadian, like what rock star? I don't even know how. Like, but the interview was fantastic, and the way Amanda sets up the interview, I think, was my favorite part. Just showing the skill that Amanda has, and so everyone needs to go check it out. In particular, the setup to the interview of how Adam Roberge answered the question of getting into the Lifetime Series, uh-huh. where he talks about it is the future of bike racing. And if he doesn't get it, he feels like he's doing almost a disservice. Um, and it's just, it's fantastic. And it's a great setup into a wonderful conversation. Um, and other great conversation mentioned earlier was Bill Scheichen with uh, Jeremy Powers. And I really think that what we're able to do on the Wide Angle Podium Network, uh, or what our friend shows are doing, makes me really proud to be on this uh, network of independent cycling media. Same. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, you can support everything Wide Angle Podium and the shows are doing by heading over to WideAnglePodium.com, clicking on that donate button and uh, ticking off the boxes for all the shows that you like and enjoy and you want your donation to support. Um, And once again, over at WideAnglePodium.com. Fantastic. And while you're there, why don't you check out the shop so you can see if there's anything available of course, across all the shows, but in particular, episode 300 shirts, where we are sold out of size larges, but that doesn't mean we don't have medium and extra large for your family members that may have never even listened to the episode. <laughs> yeah. Christmas is coming. Yeah, if they have um, birthdays, you know, in January or February, now is a good time to, to order. And that reminds me, guys. That we got a wonderful email from listener of the pod, um, Dave in Australia. Hey guys, from Australia Corner, this evening sitting alone, I was contemplating my Christmas shopping and thought to myself, what on earth am I going to buy my father who lives in Switzerland, who I haven't seen for years due to the world falling apart in a blazing mess, and who Mm. is so incredibly difficult to buy for given that it's not often we speak. As it happened... I was also listening to episode 371 at that time and heard you mention that there were just a couple of limited edition vintage episode 300 (laughs) t-shirts left and thought they would be perfect for someone who has never listened to the Slow Ride podcast. I also listened carefully to the promise that due to the global supply chain crisis and delivery times from SRP HQ, there was no way in hell that it would turn up for Christmas. How could I refuse (laughs) this sensational offer? So I thought, what better way to show my support to my favorite podcast and cover off a family present than buying one of the t-shirts that's spending my hard-earned pandemic lockdown savings. Has my Uh, father ever listened to the SRP? No. Has any idea, does he have any idea what the SRP is? No. No. Have I told him it's being delivered? No. So the chain of events I expect to play out is as follows. You guys send the t-shirt to the address in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. At some point, a Swiss delivery guy struggles through eight feet of snow and sub-zero temperatures and hands <laughs> the package to my f- rather confused father. My father opens it and tries to figure out, A, what the image on the shirt is, 
B, what the SRP is all about, and C, why has this arrived randomly from the U.S.? <laughs> my father, not knowing for his internet, my father, not known for his internet skills, will then eventually Google and discover the SRP and perhaps listen to an episode. Thereby, albeit probably very briefly, building your listenership. Yeah. There you go. You. Yeah. All right. We're on it. And given it's, he is a cycling fan, so impressed will he be that he will then advertise the SRP throughout Switzerland next summer by proudly wearing his shirt. Oh, we will be carefully watching the stats to look for the Swiss, the Swiss bump we're surely going to get. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Watch the tour of Switzerland like an eagle. Next well, year. little guy, you foreshadow brief beautifully uh, because Dave continues perhaps getting valuable screen time at the tour to Switzerland oh, or, and the tour to France next July as the route passes his house, which as we all know is publicity that your podcast, I'm assuming, or you would, not be desperately trying to offload t-shirts, <laughs> simply can't buy. To be fair, I'm hoping he doesn't cause a mass Peloton pileup by drunkenly oh. jumping out in the road, although he's older and therefore more of a static billboard. We should be okay. And as a result of this publicity, your podcast tops the Spotify and iTunes charts, and you all become millionaires. And you then reflect that if it weren't for some random guy from Australia, cor from Australia Corner sending a t-shirt to his confused father in Switzerland... You wouldn't be where you are today. You get back in touch with me, and we'll and I'll get a cut in on this deal. I can't uh, see what could possibly go wrong fair. with this plan. So today, I faithfully entered my credit card details and placed the order <laughs> on your site, kind of like a Patreon donation, but also playing the long game on the investment ROI. A much better investment strategy than the Wow NFT blockchain JPEG thing. By the way, it doesn't turn up for Christmas. His birthday is in late January, so we're Perfect. all good. Uh, Dave. Yeah. Takes a lot Dave, of pressure off. I, I appreciate that. What you, a wonderful Dave. email. Um, I can't wait. If Dave, when uh, your dad is proudly wearing this shirt on the side of the road in Switzerland, um, please make sure to send us a photo and uh, we can't wait to share it with everybody. Yeah. If we become millionaires, I mean, I don't know. You guys feel, I feel like we, I'm, I'm fine cutting in 10, 15%. Yeah. Whatever. I'm yeah. A yeah. What do I cut? A million dollars? That's. Sure. <laughs> Endless, well, endless I'll, money. I'll sign up to lose ten percent of that right now. Mm -hmm. Whatever. No, I, I yeah. can't. I can't wait for the pictures for when this thing <laughs> shows up in January, in June. Sorry. Um, <laughs> gentlemen, let's get back to the show. Yeah. My name is Matthew Vanderpool, and I don't listen to the Slow Ride podcast. All right, guys, here we are. And as I was just alluding to, we have some great listener emails. So we're going to continue right down that road. But we, before we get into our top five things of the 2021 year. So first shout out goes to Mike Halverson. Hey, Slow Ride. My brother notified me that you mentioned my son's success at CrossNets. Just some side notes about James. He's coached by a friend of the pod, Bjorn Sealander. Mm. He's the 15-16 Cat 3 Minnesota State Champion. Not that Matt would know, because he didn't even show up to a race this year. Ooh, man. <laughs> so up to Green Acres. I, I didn't show straight, up to States, though. Straight fire. Wow, yeah, Matt. Straight fire, man. Thank you. Yeah. I like it. Not that Matt would know, because he didn't show up to a race. He's a great kid. No longer any fun to ride with. He wins every stop ahead sign and town sign. Minnesota mm -hmm. Junior Cycling would appreciate the mention, as would we. Keep up the good work. I'll buy a t-shirt. 
if you last until the 400th episode. Thanks for the entertainment, <laughs> Mike Halverson. Um, Mike, thanks. Congrats to your Thank son you. winning. Great to see Bjorn Sealander passing on the cha- national championship um, clout to other young Minnesota junior cyclists. Great to see that program continuing to slay it. Uh, absolutely great to see. It is a really little great guy. program. It is Way pretty to get- impressive how many amazingly fast uh, juniors yeah. come out of Minnesota because at the end of the day, there's only 30 people at every race in Minnesota, and 10 of them are those juniors, and and pretty much every year we're winning a national cross championship yeah. with juniors in some, I mean, in it, some it, rank of the juniors, so it's impressive. It just goes to show like what a, a cycling club anywhere in the country really can accomplish if they just give up on, on paying the graphic designers and trying to make like new kits every year <laughs> and just keep the same one from the late nineties and just keep pushing forward and focus on actually racing fast. You can, <laughs> you can achieve great things. There are some great, enough, it comes back into fashion, man. It has been exactly <laughs> the same basically for our whole time, but that's how you yeah. always know when you show up to races, you're like it's the same kid. It's great. There's saying. some uh, great people that have come out of uh, the Minnesota junior cycling team. And let's not forget, um, uh, Minnesota's own mm-hmm. Kelly Catlin, who also came through yes. um, yeah. and doing quite well in the Olympics um, before her um, sad passing a few years back. Yeah. Um, let's continue on with some of the other great emails that we have received. Um, the next one comes to us from um, John Gray. Slow ride. You forgot to mention Lachlan Morton and the awesome videos that Rafa Education First will make on the alt calendar video channel. He may be one of the most dangerous racers and could sweep the series. Come on, John. That's quite lofty. He is not going to sweep the series. Just editorial comment here, but come on. Oh, I uh, definitely part of the email. Oh. No, that was not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lachlan definitely has the legs and the experience racing on many mm-hmm. events already. Thoughts, mm-hmm. or is he just to chill out and likely has more interest for the post-ride beers and enjoying the ride to be a threat? Will he also ride the transfers, the alt alt calendar? Cheers oh, and he- thanks for the awesome podcast, John. He will. Now, if he, he does anything less than than the alt alt, I'm going to be disappointed. I, I, he's a threat, Timmy. I don't know how you. He's I don't know. No, but he's a threat. But he's not going to sweep this series. That's ridiculous. He's not going to win all six events. No, no way. he's not going to win all six. But he could definitely win the overall. I think consistency wise, he could. He could be. I think we need to do a full breakdown. But first, yeah. I want to listen to the Grodio to see what they have to say. But <laughs> as we all know, that there's a lot of different races and different styles. And I'm just, again, editorializing on the comments from John here that he is going to sweep the series. That is not going to happen. That is a slow ride podcast, superrookie.com guarantee. I will. Okay. I'm not going to guarantee it, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Because here's the thing. He's not going to win Schwann again. It's 40 miles. is a pretty chill dude. He likes to, you know, he likes to pretend like he's partying and doing his Birkenstocks and whatever. But he's a stone cold killer. He's going to come out there. Like if he sets his eyes on the prize, you know, you know, what? I he hope he has it. my face on his, on the, on the bar stem combo. And it just uh-huh. says super rookie says you can't do it <laughs> because I just, I don't, he has the ability to win the series. Every single one of those people, I think that if we can tear them out and we start going, <laughs> I just think that a XC rider is going to win a couple of these mountain bike events that where he can win the gravel. I'm just when you when you see a, an event like um, Schwamigan added on there, or Big Sugar on like the gravel like roadie kind of side, I just I just don't know. 
and this is just my take, but I just yeah. don't think it's there. I think he. I mean, I think he he'll get second or third in every single one. Probably that's kind of how I feel. But <laughs> maybe not. Do you? I have a kind of a side question on Lachlan. I haven't looked, and obviously I don't have the best internet right now, so I'm not gonna look. <laughs> I'm gonna ask a dumb question. Last I looked, Howes and Lachlan didn't have a contract for next year with EF, but they are in the series. Do you think they're gonna get spun off? from regular EF into their own special gravel team so that EF can hire more racers that actually do world tour races. It kind of seems at this point that you could make them just domestic pros and make them their own thing, you know, or is Lachlan just uh, going for 150 K or whatever that prize list is all on his own by sweeping the series. I think we figured it out boys. Maybe it just feels like for EF, it it almost doesn't make sense for those guys to be on that world tour team. Like they 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 do some of the world tour races. <laughs> uh, hey, I thought you said it doesn't make sense for EF to be a world tour team for a no. second there. <laughs> I mean, they're like they're like top ten on the world tour. They're not they're not that far off, right? Yeah, smack that well, in the it's middle. A, that's a very good point, little guy. I mean, you got to figure that there's enough sponsors that eventually would probably come around to to supporting Lachlan's efforts and Alex Howe's left efforts. Um, like I just that you make. Make that a two-man team, and and they just they just do American domestic stuff, and they're like the EF alt team, and then I don't know, it feels like it's like a you know if you get the sponsor to sign on for it, it's more room on the world tour team. Maybe those guys still want to do a few world tour races, but like they don't do many. I'm sure the UCI of- is going to find a way to like say that you can't do these events if you're on a world tour. It, they're going to find a way to mess this whole thing up. Of of world tour team riders well, not until being they able can to take compete. it over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they'll make a way to outlaw it until they can take over the races from lifetime. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I mean, very, you know. very uh, solid uh, question there, little guy. But um, again, I, I'm looking forward to de- doing a little bit more of a deep dive on the lifetime series. Um, and you know, we did get uh, quite a bit of uh, listener email and feedback. I'm not going to read them all. Um, both through uh, public and private, uh, reaching out through us through email um, and various other ways of communication for our episode last week where we tried to do like some semi-serious uh, journalistic work and talking about um, <laughs> opening ourselves up uh, to the critique and bias as far as what's happening out there in cycling media. So thank you to the numerous emails yep. and uh, messages. We all know who you are and you know who you are. So thank you again for that. Um, and... With that, Kevin Dolan hits us up with just a very simple subject line, Canyon Bars in the Wild. Uh, and from his shop, yes. um, Race Pace in Baltimore, Maryland, um, Kevin has sent us a picture of the double-decker duplex bars in the wild. And I am happy to report that there is a computer map on the upper level where it says not a place to put your your hands. So Uh very important there. They also have another mount that's on the lower level of the duplex. So, um, full usage of all of that real estate in the upper and lower parts of the bar. Got to use it all. I mean, why have it if you're not going to use it? I love seeing a duplex in the wild. It makes me, uh, very, very excited. I point every time I yell, I tell whoever I'm with that does not care about it, man. I, I so can only you dream. See, have of you seen them a lot? I still have never seen one in the wild. Yeah, I've never seen one in the wild. Oh, really? Um, I probably saw four or five this Listen summer. Look at this guy, on the Tim. 
Oh, really? Oh. Four or five? <laughs> really? I'm just going to just drop oh, that one in there. Oh, you haven't they, seen one? Oh. They're, they're, they're out on the greenway. There's got to be, there's a handful of people here that have them. I've seen them um, on the greenway. Man. I, don't know. I don't know what to tell you, man. It's, we must know be how nice to, to be up here. Must must be nice to be so famous and be surrounded by so much awesome. Yeah, to yeah, live in the duplex life. I mean, you know, du- there's a lot of duplexes in Minneapolis. There are indeed. All it's, right, in well, Boston, right, Spencer, would be like triple deckers, you know. Yeah, and we're Canyon just, hasn't we're, developed that yet. So we're waiting for Canyon, yeah, to catch yeah, up. Yeah. Well, as always, thanks to all the listener emails that we receive. Little guy, in our notes for this week's episode of what we were going to discuss, you had put yes. near the top, oh. Greg LeMond Taco Bell commercial. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, uh, yes. I did not see it. Spencer did not see it. So what better way to participate in this segment <laughs> than for you to describe to us a uh-huh. Taco Bell commercial featuring Greg LeMond and just for the record, I'm going to guess that this is probably in the early 90s, late 80s, and not 2022 Greg Lamont. Yeah, I didn't find a date stamp, but it's got to be 1990 because he is wearing the world champion jersey. Oh. Okay, so he's wearing the world championship jersey. He does not have taco neck, which was my favorite Taco Bell um, advertising campaign. If you guys may remember, Shaquille oh. O'Neal was the face of the taco neck campaign because he kept missing yeah, free throws. And then... And then he, he started eating tacos at Taco Bell, and it turned his head at a, or his neck at about a 45-degree angle, so he started making all his free throws. An amazing piece of commercial use. Yeah. Little yeah. guy, take it away on the Greg LeMond Taco Bell computer commercials and describe to us the excitement. Okay, well, I watched this once. Uh, we got it sent, uh, sent to us on Instagram, and I'm sorry I forget who sent it right now. Um, Greg LeMond's at a party. Uh, there's a party going on in a in a little Spanish bungalow house, and uh, they're rocking, and they need tacos. And who are they going to send out for the bike messenger Jimmy John's duty? But Greg Lamont, he jumps on his TT bike. <laughs> okay. Oh. Full, oh. Full, is he? He's has in he got a helmet. Rainbow kit. I think he might. Yeah, he's in full TT mode. Uh, he time trials the Taco Bell. They speed up the film so it looks really super fast. <laughs> And then yeah. he gets a bunch of tacos and he comes back and it looks like, like they've put some sort of like, um, like party the, pack uh, to go. Yeah. Party pack to go. But the, um, the time trialists, how they like to have that weird water bottle thing off the back of their seat. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He's got no. some sort of uh seat attachment, uh, for, for, for some tacos. Baja blast. Oh, not yep. Mountain Dew. Baja blast. He, okay. He like rides like into the house. Um, oh, and there's another shot of him like cruising down the street to million miles. Okay. An hour. Now no, you may, I, no, oh, go, go wait. No, no, little guy, stop. Like, <laughs> I have a lot of questions. I, I have a couple. I just want to shout out to what is it with television and movies in the early 90s of people riding bikes into the houses? Because you may recall from our annual July 4th um, recap of American Flyers mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Uh, he rides his bike into his um, sparkling uh, St. Louis loft apartment. Um, <laughs> and... What is it with that type of thing? Well, and now Greg Lamont's riding his bike into the house? He rides into the house. Not to mention one of my favorite movies and my dad's favorite movie, Captain Ron, when Martin Short's <laughs> in, in the elevator okay. going, up to, going up to his office early in the film. Uh-huh. There's a bike messenger also in the elevator, and he brings his bike into the elevator, into this fully okay. elevator. And that even, even as a kid, pre 
being a bike messenger myself, I was like, there's no way they bring their bikes in <laughs> to every so, office. That's really something. Okay, in Greg LeMond, yes. at this party in the World Championship Stripes, quite the flex, yeah. by the way. Is it yeah, a Halloween wait. party? No, I, th- I think it's just a regular party. Is he wearing green, Lycra yeah. shorts at the party? Yeah, he's got the full kit on. He's got wow. the full kit. Wow, that's kind of a... Uh, that's a risky move. I, I respect it, Greg. I respect you showing up to the party yeah. wearing the full bike kit. Um, well, Spencer, you know. go ahead with some of your questions here. Well, I mean, I was I was curious about a couple things. Um, uh, it sounded like the attachment on the back of his saddle, little guy that you're referring to, maybe a precursor to the bike packing explosion that is going on right now. Yeah, uh, no, for sure, for sure. So... Greg LeMond is notably always been kind of on the cutting edge of technology yes. and proving it yet again. I hope he patented that thing and he is, uh, you know, funding the new relaunch of the brand off of the, uh, the bike packing boom of the last couple of years. But more importantly, whatever he's making might go away if, uh, the UCI catches wind of this. Cause I don't know. I remember him being road world champion, but I don't know if he was yes. on a TT bike. Yes. No, this is a good point. This is my first thought too. And I had this exchange when we got this. I And I and then I remembered the, the world's TT did not exist until, until a little bit later. And I looked it up and I think it was 94. Really? 94, 95 is the first world's TT. Up until that point, there was you were no just the official... Champ. There was, you were, and I don't know if he could have technically worn it in a time trial or not because, yeah, there was no such thing as just a specific time trial jersey. There was the Corona (sighs) Donations or whatever it was, which was sort of the unofficial time trial world championships, but it didn't exist. So, wow, this is some in depth journalism you get nowhere else. It is, yes, it is okay that he was wearing it. No, my first thought was like, he's on a time trial bike in the world championship jersey. He wasn't world, he was road world champion, you know, like. But yes, good good point. Does it have a is it, is the TT bike like the 650 in the front and 700 in the back, or is it his Huffy that he wore that he used to destroy enemy of the podcast Laurent Fignon? It's so it's 1990, so it's post that 89 mm-hmm. season. So he's on Team Z at that point. So he's on the um the his own branded bikes he's on the greg lamont branded bikes who are made by um also a baller move who were they made by they're made by what's that california company that makes the weird bikes it's not uh, parlay it's uh uh is it safe i can't remember the name of it right now what is so, it the same one that the the dark the dark knight war rode at the at the velodrome what were those things oh kelfi kelfi they were kelfis that, huh. that when in 90 when the whole team rode kelfis Okay, I, I think the whole team did that. I, someone's gonna call in, write in, and be like, "No, no, no! Only Greg rode Calfies, and the other guys rode like these other things." I By think the way, they all rode Calfies. Super baller move to be in the professional peloton riding a bike with your name on it. That isn't yeah, like that what the Swan year put anymore. on with a sticker. Like no one else is rocking that uh, move. Uh, great flex, uh, Greg Lamont. Do you think? I think that I think Greg Lamont doing that was the last person to be able to do that. Because I think after that, like bike sponsorship became a bigger thing. Because yeah. like. Think about it. Merckx did it. Mm-hmm. Hinault might have even been able to at some point. What's What but, sucks is that Ivan Basso could have, but never rode for the right team. Right, and if Keith, <laughs> local local legend Keith Bianchi would have made would have made World Tour, he could have done it too. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Rather than Masters, uh, <laughs> the, uh, 
35 plus uh, startup. Little guy, anything else on this uh, commercial with Greg Lamond from Andrew Nesbitt, who emailed it to us? There's probably something I'm forgetting, and Andrew's probably like, talk about that, but this is just what I remember is all this. It's great. It's a great this commercial. Is, but. This is a great commercial. There's another commercial I've been looking and trying hard to track down, if any of our listeners can find this. You were able to track down a t-shirt from a book that <laughs> was published over 25 years ago for a very... Uh-huh. Um, you may remember my favorite listener email of all time last week. I will put this challenge out there. There was a commercial that I recall seeing in the um, in the mid '90s okay. that greatly influenced my purchase of the first ever Little Guy Racing team car, the Saturn <laughs> wagon that we had. It was a Saturn commercial for Team Saturn Cycling, and basically the whole gimmick was two Saturn employees uh, following the the Saturn team out on a training ride for hundreds of miles is like, like the, the reliability of this Saturn wagon is going to get you over the mountains. It's never huh. going to throw a rod on the side of the road yeah, uh, no, on I-94. Um, it is, now, this it, is the most reliable car. If anyone can find that ad, I would be eternally grateful. Uh, now in, in Saturn's defense, I don't always want to defend Saturn wow. by way of GM, but nowhere in that commercial, Tim, did they state you don't ever have to put oil in the car. You do still have to put oil in them, even if even, even a reliable car does need the occasional bit of something. Do you know, anything. like, you're absolutely right, but do you know the last time that car was at its best was when I was leaving Downers Grove Criterium National Championships when they were held there on mm-hmm. the way back to Minnesota after Tyler Farrar won it? So okay. that, like, d- dates this thing back to what, like 2003, 2004? Uh, or yeah. maybe five. Fantastic. Anyways, I digress. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's move on to um, the next segment, which I do want to get into, and that has to be our annual year-end recap of the top five moments in cycling roundtable. This is not a fantasy draft, and if I say something that one of you guys have, just let us go. We'll have a little quick chat on it, and we'll go through. But this is the Final list of what the most important five moments are in cycling. According to us, there is no arguments to be had here. We are the, um, we're the truth. And that's why people listen to us. So, so 2021, 2021 cycling achievements, yes. top five for yes. each of us. All right. Most, who's who's I, kicking it off? Let me just say that achievements slash events that you were most excited. Sure perhaps gave us the most um, content. Little guy, going, you go first. Are we going randomly? We're going top to bottom, fit the first. We're starting with five. Wading our way down. Oh boy. Um, little guy, number five for you. Mine are not in order. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, I really like that uh, Amstel Gold this year. I always like Amstel. I was really sad it was gone last year. Mm. So it was back, and you got that great uh, Pidcock-Wout duel. Um, not on my list. And not yeah, not on my really, list. Um, appreciate it was a really fun day of bike racing. So, <laughs> appreciate you guys watched it. You should go check it out. I thought it was great. And, I, uh, I appreciate that you yeah. have that. Uh, uh, I will go check that one out. Um, I do remember Amsel Gold from a few years ago when Matthew Vanderpool kind of yeah, had, yeah, that was yeah. the greatest coming, moment in cycling history. I, I, had his so. coming out party for everybody else for 2021, yeah. even though it didn't happen this year. Yeah. But yeah, that, um, I mean, I've never screamed so I'm, much at a screen. In my I'm life, happy so. that your fifth. 
uh, most important moment in cycling in 2021, uh, was just basically reminded me of the awesomeness that was Matthew Vanderpool's uh, moment from a few <laughs> right. years ago. Uh, speaks highly on the year in bike. It's all, um, it's all uh, relative. Spencer, number five for you. Number five for me was uh, Tulsa Tough and the Crit Beef and Legion's Dominance. Um, that was a really, I think, exciting weekend of racing and got me very excited to watch the racing. Uh, I don't know if it was all the lead up to it, if it was just Tulsa being a great event in general or, or Legion's sweeping of the podium uh, that first <laughs> night that just ended. Would, like, it was, it, 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 you couldn't have scripted it better. It was a great weekend of racing, and I loved it, everything about it. I think that uh, you, you touched on several things here. Complete dominance. Later in the season... In, in the women's race and the men's race. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the rest of the season. I'm talking about I this no, event. No, 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 but that's my point. It was fantastic. I, well, again, I agree that this list? is... It, I agree that this is a good one that is worthy of a top five. Fantastic. Legion did such an amazing job at dominating this race and the, the setup and the crit beef that made me actually watch bike racing for the year, Criterium Racing in the U.S. Did such a fantastic thing that it made me forget about the rest of the season when Legion wasn't winning every race, right? When other racers were starting to perform, that's how much Legion dominated and just put like, Oh, stick a fork in them. They're all done. No one else can compete with Legion because they came and just completely dominated. I loved it. The coverage was great. It was fantastic. Um, I, I think that this is definitely worthy of a top five. Wow, little guy. Thanks for sharing. Um, I <laughs> I don't know. It, it was great. It was great. What more can I add? It was, it was so good. Uh, my number five, uh, not to be a, a letdown, but I do think that the creation of and the uh, drama around the selected folks of the Lifetime series are going to set us up nicely for content into the 2022 year across all of the races and categories. Um, while not as exciting as um, the Crete Beef uh, Spectacular that I should have put on my list, um, I think that this whole um, lifetime thing is going to be uh, pretty fantastic to follow. It will, it will be good. It will, it will definitely be a, a, a content, content gold mine <laughs> in terms of controversy and people being upset, I feel like. <laughs> so... I only I hope that someone creates a gravel beef as good as crit beef. That was so good. I'm so happy uh, you reminded me of that, Spencer. That was so good. It won't take long. Uh, Spencer, number four for you. Number four uh, for me, um, I think it's, I think it's going to be the, uh, <laughs> the ramp gate with Matthew Vanderpool crashing ahead of the Olympics and uh, ruining basically half of his season. Uh, that, not necessarily a highlight, but a defining moment of 2021. Uh, Spencer, you and I are on a complete wavelength. Fantastic choice here. Uh, more and more, I think you and I are uh, a synergistic, syner uh -oh. there's a lot of synergy between us because I had um, the Matthew Vanderpool non-send in the Olympic uh mountain bike event as my number three interesting 2021 okay. right. event um i'm with you i think that for someone that has been in the matthew vanderpool camp since day one uh -huh. biggest supporter he has 
um, for him to dedicate so much of his career to winning a gold medal at the Olympics in mountain biking to show his once in a generation talent for it to go away on a, um, on ramp gate mm-hmm. was, uh, obviously a talking point I think that we will have for years to come. So, um, I am with you there. Yeah, it was on my list too, but I was, I was sort of reluctant cause it was a bummer, but <laughs> I mean, it's a defining moment in cycling yes, for is. 2021 yes. and that's why it's on the list uh, not because we enjoy watching him crash or anything like that yeah yeah um, yeah yeah, yeah for sure. my number four was anna kaisenhofer taking the win at the women's mm. road race in the olympics for a variety of reasons <laughs> yeah. but one first and foremost is oh man i love bike racing without radios um and <laughs> the inability to count and for messaging to get to the riders that needed it most to know that there was a solo Austrian off the front since the first kilometers of the race, never to be brought back and to win in the most epic fashion. I loved every moment of it, more of that. And the highlight of the Tokyo Olympics for me. Hmm. Yeah. Good point. It was on my list as well. So you guys are really messing up my list, but you're right. It was, (laughs) That was on my uh, on my long list. It did not make it did not make my top five, but it easily could have. And little guy, what else do you have for number four? Well, now I gotta start worrying about you guys stealing them too. You know, it's like a it's like a dual dual problem here. I'm I'm gonna say Tim, and I know you're not gonna say this. I'm gonna say the men's road race at the Worlds. Um, really was a great. I thought it was a super entertaining day of racing. Uh, you got all the Remco Wout Belgian drama afterwards. Mm-hmm. So you just milk it for days on end. <laughs> I know, Timmy, you didn't get the results you wanted, but it was it was a very impressive performance. You can't take that away from him, even if you don't like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Philippe, it was uh, it was it was the way you want to win worlds, and it was that was a fun day of racing. So, I mean, nothing sweeter than a a gold medal, four years to enjoy it on a bronze bike. Wait, no, I'm talking about worlds. Not oh, Olympics. Not, I'm uh, Olympics. Not the Olympics. Yeah, well, I'm just jokes. happy that he. I'm happy that Alaphilippe did not win Olympics because that would be a miserable four years. We only have to deal with him win the World Championship stripes for one more year, so it uh, could be worse. But little guy, solid uh, shout. Um, number three, I obviously had uh, Matthew Vanderpool's non-send. So anything else in that third level for you guys? Uh, I, if you want to give a Vanderpool, I'd say Strata. Strata, that, that was good. That, that, that good. final attack, you know, I mean, that was... So your number three of the year was was Matthew Vanderpool's Strata Bianchi. Yeah, great race, he, uh, huge attack, wow. making making Alaphilippe look like he's just standing there. That yeah. was impressive stuff. Okay. No, that was, that was a good one. Um, didn't make my list, didn't make my long list either. Um, I did have in number three, Watt Van Aert winning on the Champs-Élysées uh, with all the pressure with everything that was going on, having won the TT, having won the day before, having won the mountain stage, mm-hmm. um, and just like denying Cavendish. Yeah, that <laughs> the, was, the that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, really, really, really good. Um, yeah. Denying in the most perfect, that's a pretty, way, perfect place possible. So yes. Spencer, would you have put that as your number one um, NFT choice? Was the Wout Van Art on the Champs? Like if you... If you were a multi-gazillionaire in Bitcoin, would you have put most of the money on that one or, uh, you know, 
been two or something else. It would have been that one. It would have been that one, but I, I don't ball that hard. So unfortunately, um, yeah, solid, uh, take and uh, little guy, did you have anything for number three? Well, I did. I just said Strata Bianchi. Oh, yeah, okay. I guess yeah. yeah. Three. All right. Uh, number your, put it into your pile. I guess number I number two, little guy. What was your second most? Only two choices left. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing the math right, little guy, I yeah. don't think you have any choices after this one because everything else has been taken off your list from uh, our our expertise. Or are you are you doing the list as you go? No, no, no. I got. I'm looking over here. I the, I'm just gonna go women's Perry Roubaix. It was huge. It was it was it was monstrous. Um, that was yeah. my second most uh, exciting event for Paris or was for 2021 as well. It was Lizzie Digan's win yeah. at Paris Roubaix? Um, just epic, epic event. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, just just that it even happened was great and amazing. And then it ended up being just an amazing race too. So and muddy and on the full yeah, weekend, it, it was it, fantastic. It worked out. It. It was as perfect as it could have been for the first women's Perry Roubaix. It feels like, so. and they got was. the whole day. It was great. It, it was. It was. It was a perfect race. It was incredible. It was everything I ever dreamed uh, a women's Perry Roubaix, Perry Roubaix race to be, which is why it's my number one pick. I think it is absolutely <laughs> yeah. defining for the year. After a hundred years of not having it, it happens. There's no way it's not number one for me. So I am very curious to hear what you guys put ahead <laughs> well, well, of look, this that's a very absolute true. monument of it, an occasion. It, I'm happy that at least all of us have it in the top two. And Spencer, this, the snark and the disdain that's coming out of your microphone asking what I have at number one, uh-huh. I actually accept and appreciate. Because I do because, have <laughs> the one thing that's more important than Lizzie Nigan's monumental, historic, once-in-a-hundred-year victory on I'd a day to all it. to her. Oh, I know. What was your number two, Spencer? If My that number, was your number two, one? you know, which very easily clearly could have gone number one, um, <laughs> was Mark Cavendish winning four stages at the Tour de France in the green jersey because that was incredible. I'm Nobody happy saw that, that coming. Again, <laughs> not as... Just outrageous, but not as outrageous as the first women's pair bay. I, I agree with you on that. That is the one of... that. That is an event that is not going to eclipse... Lizzie Digan's 2021 Paris Roubaix win. Um, oh, I, I'm to be clear. My number one is not Lizzie Digan winning that race. Oh, it's, it's my all, number one yeah. is the fact that that race exists and happened. Yeah. Now I know a lot of people with this buildup are wondering, Tim, what could possibly be your favorite event of 2021 that, that you put ahead of, the monumental historic fact that Paris Roubaix finally happened for women's bike racers. But before I get to my number one, I'd like to just slide this question over to the little guy uh-huh. so he can help take the bullet first before it comes to me. <laughs> little guy, what was your bullet. number one event of 2021 over women's Paris Roubaix? See, I, I think I misunderstood how the rules of this work. I felt like we had to take them. Like every time one got taken off the table, I felt like nope. we weren't allowed to do it anymore. Nope. So I was worried that the women's one, I wouldn't get to I wouldn't get to snag it. But oh. I think that's because we always make everything too much of a competition. So Tim, he, do you see what he did there? Yeah, he's trying he to just put threw you under the bus by yourself. Me. Yeah, so he drug himself out from under the bus, and now you're under the bus by yourself. Well, I was, well, no, like, I mean, he's I had. He's kicking I had me the, as he had, crawled out. I had the women's Olympics on my list, and I crossed it off because one of you guys mentioned it. 
Um, I thought I thought Vanderpool winning uh, at wow. the tour was a pretty pretty huge. That was pretty huge. It was pretty huge. It was pretty huge. Huge moment of the year. So you thought so. that that moment, little guy, was bigger than the first ever Paris <laughs> women's Paris Roubaix? Yeah, yeah. You know, I thought that was more important. Well, I thought a man, a man doing a thing that a man <laughs> had done many times before was uh-huh. more important than. Yeah. Uh, than well, I appreciate um, you really jumping all, on this grenade. All the women in the world getting uh, <laughs> to do this race. I thought that's what I thought. That's one hundred percent what I thought. And no one will take this out of context. Yeah. Um. So I know you guys are wondering what my number one moment was, and I do have it written down here. So unlike little guy, I'm not scrambling to, um, to, to, to throw the rules underneath. I have had this list in stone for three weeks now. And uh, yeah, Women's Roubaix was number bit, two. So. Um, Lifetime Series, number five. Kyson Hoffer, four. Matthew Vanderpool, nonsense, number three. Women's Roubaix. Number one for me, by far the most important moment of 2022 cycling was the winning or bringing to my attention as well of the slowest hour record by one David Formolo, um, yes. who traveled 908 meters over the course of an hour on a road bike in a velodrome to commence the slowest one-hour record of all time. Um, huge. It's huge. amazing. And yeah, it's huge. As amazing as the first ever women's Roubaix monument. I don't know how I'm going to spring this to get out of this hole that I have now dug. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that the slowest I mean, hour record. You did have three weeks to dig yourself for, out. For Davide uh, Formolo is uh, just, I mean. You were the one that got the shovels out of the garage. I mean, me and yeah. Spencer didn't start yeah. this. It's just, this is just slow ride podcast content gold. Uh-huh. Um, and I love it. <laughs> love it. it it was really great regardless <laughs> I put it on my list obviously but I, uh i think we funny. we were able to achieve the goal of of identifying some of the top moments of 2021 which was the point of the exercise uh, it wasn't a competition to see who got it right obviously i got it right and you guys were really really <laughs> off base I mean, but um it wasn't but it's that wasn't the point yeah um yeah. Do you guys have any uh, uh, runner-up? Any anything that almost made the list but didn't? Because no, one... I obviously stopped when I got to my number one <laughs> yeah. uh, of right. David Formolo's. Uh, yeah, I, I record-setting I hemmed and hawed. There are a couple that you guys said that were on my long list for sure, um, mm-hmm. but the one that I didn't hear anybody mention that I hemmed and hawed about putting in my top five was the Alpecian Special Tour de France kits. Uh, I yeah, thought those pretty, were really cool. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, not quite a top five moment, but up there and, and worth a, worth a shout out. So there you go. And then that's that's twenty twenty one in a, in a nutshell for anybody that missed the whole season. Yeah, and if you think, and George, if you made it this far, uh, Bobby, Simon, um, better luck next year. Come yeah. on the pod, and you very well could be on the twenty twenty two recap of the Slow Ride Podcast for the top five cycling moments of the year. Um, we'd like to thank all the listeners and supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network. Head over to WideAnglePodium.com to find out how you can become a member to support independent cycling media. We'd also like to thank BK1 of Rhymesayers Entertainment for the intro and outro music. And with that, this is Tim in Orlando. This is Matt in Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Holyoke, Massachusetts, reminding you to always wave 
at all your fellow cyclists that you see out on the road. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod. Dear cycling friends, we accept the fact that we have created the premier gravel and road racing podcast, and we don't think you're crazy to ask us who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a hobby blogger, a gravel pro, and a curious newbie. And you can find us on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours the Grodio Podcast.